are listening to the Devil's Talking Potters podcast for East Village Times. Coming to you from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication, here are your hosts, Dominic Stern and Bobby Murphy. Welcome to Devil's Talking Padres. Here to recap the Padres split series, just a small two-game series with the Los Angeles Angels, and preview the upcoming three-game series with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dominic Stern joined as always with Bobby Murphy. Bobby, how are you doing today? Dom, I'm doing good. Kind of underwhelmed after that two-game split right there, but got a big one against the Dodgers coming up and got to, again, take two out of three. And the Padres were presented two really good chances to win both games, and they threw one away, really. And the other one, they just coasted and didn't look really good in it. But at least they got the one win. They really should have won both games, especially considering how good Blake Snell was in that first game. And let's just jump right into it. I mean, Blake Snell, this was honestly his best outing. I I would say so. He was dominant from the get-go. He was efficient all the way up until that seventh inning. And if he got a call to go his way against David Fletcher, he was perfect through seven. He was that good. And it's 66 pitches with 10 strikeouts through six innings. Perfect game. He was unbelievable. He did not deserve to get the loss in this game, but that's what he gets because the Potters couldn't score a single run. And he ended up allowing two runs in that seventh inning after Joe Adele got a two out single David Fletcher and Jack Mayfield both worked walks before Adele came up in that inning and got the single. It was one really bad pitch from Blake Snell. He hung a slider to Adele and Adele He's been having a much better year after not looking great the first couple of years uh, in the big leagues for him. Really highly touted prospect for the Angels, but he impressed, to say the least, in the series against the Padres. And he got the job done here. The Padres hitters were not able to get the job done. Didn't score a single run. Only went 0 for 4. Only had four plate appearances the entire game with the runners in scoring position. Only left six guys on base because they just didn't hit. And they faced a starter in Packy Naughton, who was throwing a fairly straight 93-mile-an-hour fastball with only a changeup. The Potters couldn't do anything with it. It was very frustrating to watch. Bullpen reliever, the Angels brought in to throw two scoreless innings, had a 5.4 ERA after he threw those two scoreless innings. And then Steve Ciszek and Rysel Iglesias, who we talked about on the preview podcast, are both having really good years. So to see those guys lock down the Potters wasn't too surprising. but getting shut out by Naughton and then Herget, Certainly embarrassing for the Padres. And this was an embarrassing and really deflating loss considering how good Blake Snell was and how lively the atmosphere was at Petco Park. And, um, and uh, Blake Snell has been pitching phenomenally. Like you said, one of his best starts, if not his best start of the season, perfect through six. His stuff's been looking amazing. His last few starts had 11 Ks and seven innings. And for him, it has to be frustrating at this point. Padres are just are not able to hit when he's pitching. He's kind of getting the the Degrom, not the Degrom effect, but the Degrom offense. Whenever he's pitching a great game, and then the Mets decide to suck. But I mean, four hits in this game, you're never barely going to win a game when you have four hits. Padres struck out eight times, only walked three times. Coronado North had two of our four hits in this game, and. Later in the game, I mean, Pagan didn't help at all. Top nine, a lot of home run and then a run on a ground out. But 
it, I mean, after winning two out of three against the Astros, you have to come out and just get, keep momentum going. You just got to, we won two series in a row. You got to keep momentum and just get a winning streak going. And it's hard to do that when you get shut out against the Los Angeles angels. It was embarrassing what they were able to do at the plate because like I said, the angels pitchers weren't good. The Potters hitters were just so bad. They didn't have an approach at the plate, only walked three times in the game. Only got four hits, struck out eight times, and more strikeouts and base runners. I mean, that should be alarming. This team has put way too much money and has way too much talent in this lineup to look this bad. And the right-handed bats, Profar and Kim, they really got to find a way to step it up because they have been horrible from the right side. Obviously, Kim only bats from the right side, but Profar has been a much better hitter left-handed than he has been right-handed this year and platooning Profar for Hosmer, although Profar is significantly better in the field. It doesn't matter because I think Hosmer's better against lefties and Profar is against lefties. So they just got to figure something out with the lineup and they definitely changed it up in game number two. And I don't want to say it worked because I really don't think it did because the Potters only scored in one inning. They're able to get eight runs across in the second inning, but to me, the turning point in this game was really when Fernando Tatis Jr. got that throwing assist from the outfield through a 97-mile-an-hour gun to get Jared Walsh out at home plate after Walsh got it, the bloopiest of bloop doubles. And then after that, Padres got eight runs in the second inning. We saw Adam Frazier's fourth extra base hit as a member of the San Diego Padres. It was his first in over a month. And he also got a second hit later in the inning, which made for his first multi-hit game in over a month if that just puts it into perspective of how bad Adam Frazier's been since he joined the San Diego Padres. Later in the inning, Jake Cronenworth got a single with two outs to extend the inning after Trent Grisham got hit by a pitch. The Angels, they ran a bullpen game here. Their starting pitcher for the bullpen game, Matt Myers, he ended up pitching one time through the order, but then Joe Madden decided to go to a lefty because the two top guys in the order were Trent Grisham and Jake Cronenworth and the two lefties that got on base. So that turned the ball over to Machado and Tatis, who both walked, then Hosmer walked, then Myers walked. It was it was hard to watch. I mean, there's really no other way around that. And then they scored on a pass ball, and then Adam Frazier singled in the last two runs. That was it for the Padres, though. They only got two more hits the rest of the game. Like, I get it. When you're up eight, nothing, you can take your foot off the gas pedal, especially when you're playing a team like the angels, but it doesn't give me any reason to believe why the offense is going to pick things up going forward because they just look bad for the majority of the game. And they had one good inning, which was really just the opposing pitchers failing to throw strikes. Yeah, Dom, and this was just a, like you said, just a hard game to watch, even just as a baseball fan. I mean, Jake Petrucca throwing 24 pitches and only eight strikes. Padres scoring three runs in a row on a walk, walk, and a walk. And then, like you said, the fourth one on the on the wild pitch, just a weird inning. And like you said, Padres only had eight run. Padres only scored in one inning this game, and there's eight runs in the second. My main takeaway from this game, or two, was I mean, when a team is pitching that poorly. Padres did draw eight walks in this game, but my main takeaway from this game is you, Darvish. He looked a lot better in this start than his previous few. Six innings, three hits, one run, one walk, and seven strikeouts on 99 pitches. And he got the win. 
went six innings and didn't we didn't need to bring the bullpen too early or anything. But Darvish looks like he's back on track and hopefully he can stay this good. Yeah, and we talked about it on the preview podcast. You Darvish has been a lot better at home this year, and especially of late, he'd been a lot better at home. So to see him throw out a quality start there, and not just a quality start, but I mean, only allowing three hits and a walk, just surrendering that one earned run after the triple by Brandon Marsh and striking out seven and six innings, seeing him be able to throw 99 pitches after he's had some hip injuries, after he's had some back injuries. I think that was really encouraging to see his next two starts are going to be on the road. So how he's going to perform on the road will be an interesting thing to watch, but you Darvish definitely looked a lot better. Hopefully he can take that into his two road starts and pitch better than he has on the road. Lately, the bullpen, Kind of a disaster in this game. Denelson Lamet, he ended up striking out the side, but he allowed three hits and two earned runs after Juan Lagares, former Padre, albeit, hit a two-run home run with two outs against Lamet. It was a hanging slider. But listen, Lamet threw 23 pitches and 20 of them were strikes. Like he needs to obviously throw more pitches out of the strike zone for strikes because we know how good his slider is and we know that he can throw that fastball up at batter's eyes for swinging strikes as well. But to see him throw majority strikes, it makes you believe that he's got the stuff to pitch out of the bullpen. He knows that he's not mentally going to be in a bad space when he's coming out of the bullpen. And I think that's important because coming in in a game in which the Potters were up 8-1 for Lament, giving up two runs isn't the worst thing, but he threw strikes. So I think that's certainly good. And then you can make adjustments from there as opposed to him walking guys and then having to make adjustments like that. In the eighth inning, Tim Hill, he allowed a walk, or he just allowed, uh, he hit a guy, sorry, excuse me. And then that runner ended up coming around to score on a Joe Adele home run, allowed by Daniel Hudson. Hudson, he hasn't been great since joining the Padres, had a near two ERA when he joined the Padres after the trade deadline, and his ERA is now above three. He hasn't been great, but he's got that postseason experience. He's throwing strikes. And at some point, he's going to miss barrels. His velocity, it really supplies all the power, so he's going to allow some home runs. That's just the way it rolled. And then Mark Melanson came in and got the save. We've talked about it. His problem hasn't been getting hit hard. It's been the walks. He came in through nine pitches, eight of them were strikes. Really encouraging sign. He didn't get any strikeouts, but he got his 37th save of the year. ERA now down to 1.88. The haters, I mean, listen, Melanson's been so good this year. I don't understand it. Has he been as good against the winning teams? No, but he's still been really good against those teams. But uh, this is Melanson's last outing against a team with a sub-500 record, and he did to what he's been doing those teams all year. He's just absolute dominant. And if the Padres had lost this game, obviously Padres fans, Padres Twitter, us would have absolutely exploded. It's, I know it's always hard to go for a sweep anyway, but in a two-game series... Padres should have been able to take both of these games. Would have been huge winning three straight series going into the series against the Dodgers upcoming, but it didn't roll that way. And the offense was cold game one, but game two, just love to see the play discipline. Love to see that start from Darvish. And it was, it was a weird second inning, but of course, Padres scored eight runs and we got the win. They did get the win at the end of the day. That's what matters. And with an off day on Thursday, which is when we're recording this podcast, the Padres, they got to figure out something to do when they go on the road because the Padres have not been a good team on the road this year. And for the next 10 days, 
they're going to be on the road and they're going to be playing three teams that are all fighting for playoff spots, starting with the Dodgers and the Giants who are fighting for the division in the top spot in the National League and possibly the best record in baseball to get that home field advantage for when a team like them maybe makes the World Series. Then the Cardinals who are fighting with the Padres for that wild card spot. So the Padres, they got to wake it up because at this point, Hasn't looked good so far as of late and the offense it's got to find a way to be better because the pitching staff, especially the starting pitchers have been really good in the last 11 starts started by Musgrove, Snell, Darvish, and Paddock. Seven of the 11 starts have been quality starts. So they got to find a way to keep that going. And if they do so, you'd hope that the bats can wake up. And I think that playing 10 consecutive days, could help the Potters out. They've had a lot of off days, which hasn't allowed the offense to get a ton of consistency. I'm just spitballing here, but maybe the 10 straight games gives them a chance to find their groove and then not lose it on the off day. Or, or they could just be totally detrimentally uh, destroyed and they could uh, lose all faith in themselves as the offense. But uh, I'm going to choose to say that it, it could help the team in a positive manner. What do you think of this next 10 game stretch? Dodgers, Giants, Cardinals all on the road could bring out from the Padres. Well, them, I'd love to be optimistic and say, let's win six out of 10 of these games, but I'm scared now. I'm frightened. The Padres need to start winning games. And of course, we've won. We split right now, won the, our last two series, but it's getting tough. And we know how good the Padres have been against teams over 500 this year. We've been very solid against them, but. Right now, I mean, I just don't want to see a late season breakdown last month. Obviously, I don't want to say these next 10 games will decide the season because it obviously will as we are in September now. But these are going to be huge because if the Padres want to stay in the wildcard race, and obviously they are, as of Thursday morning, they are one game ahead of the Reds. But the Padres want to make the playoffs. They're going to need to go, I mean, six and four minimum in these next 10 games. Yeah, got to find a way to win here. And, you know, I mean, if you go six and 10, I think that gives you a good shot to come back home for the final homestand of the year and go four and two or three. Oh, no, wait, no, there's going to be seven games on that final homestand because the, the canceled or delayed Atlanta game. So give yourself an opportunity, uh, play above 500 ball for the rest of the year, and maybe you get in. But like I said, the Reds right on the tail, the Cardinals right on the tail. So that Cardinal series is the most important series. And the Braves one is even important too, because, uh, if the Phillies somehow jump them, all of a sudden the Braves are also in the wild card hunt too. So Padres just got to find a way to win these games. And yeah, I think it comes down to the offense because the starting pitching staff has proven that they are going to be doing well in the bullpen. We know that it's one of the league's best and they'll figure it out at some point. But upcoming series against the Dodgers, starting rotation was announced. It's going to be Joe Musgrove, Chris Paddock, and Blake Snell pitching the three games. And I mean, I love this because you're, you're skipping Jake Arrieta to start. Arietta has kind of just been the guy that was signed by the Potters because they needed innings. But at this point, the Potters don't need innings. They need wins. And they're going to push them back as far as possible. And I really like that decision from Jace Tingler or the front office, whoever made that decision. Give yourself the best chance to win these games. Chris Paddock, I don't believe he's pitched against the Dodgers all year, but we've seen Musgrove and Snell put up some really good performances against them. It, um, and like you said, the offense is what we'll need to get going. But with for this series, Musgrove, Paddock, and Snell, I mean, love the guys we're putting out there. I know I do say that a lot, but Musgrove has been looking great. Paddock, too, and then Snell has been 
one of the best pitchers in baseball over the past two weeks. But Musgrove, I mean, he's coming off a solid start against the Astros. Five and a third. Did allow seven hits, but only two runs. And, and that, that was right off of his nine inning. His, coming right off of his nine inning complete game shutout game. And then Paddock, I mean, since he's been off the IL, he's been looking really good. His last start, six innings, six hits, three runs, two home runs. So that's a good start. And we do know that the two home runs were back-to-back pitches in the seventh inning. But he's been pitching solid baseball, and then Blake Snell has been doing what Snell's been doing his last few weeks. Seven innings, one hit, 11 Ks, two runs against the Angels. But against the Dodgers, this will be tough, but I'm glad that we're skipping Arrieta because I would not feel comfortable putting him out there in a must-win game or a must-win series against the Dodgers. Yeah, they're going to be must-win games, and they're also going to be going up against three of the best pitchers for the Dodgers. Julio Arias, Walker Buehler, Max Scherzer. It's the same three tandem that the Dodgers threw out last time around in the same order too. And those three guys locked down the Padres. Scherzer didn't allow a run. Buehler allowed an unearned run. And even then the run shouldn't have even scored because uh, it was scored on a Will Myers, just chopper to third. And then Arias, I believe only threw five innings, but he didn't allow a single run. So Padres can have the work cut out for them. These guys have been performing well. Max Scherzer has all of a sudden entered the NL Cy Young conversation. He leads the National League in ERA and whip. So he's been really dominant as a Dodger. And this could be the last time Scherzer faces the Padres this year. The first two times around, the Padres got him really good. And then the last time around in our Dodgers uniform, Scherzer absolutely locked up the Padres and showed the Padres what they were missing when they could have acquired him at the trade deadline. So gonna have the work cut out for them, the Padres will. But certainly... We've seen it before. The Potters swept the Dodgers earlier this year, and they took three out of four from them in Los Angeles. This is the first time returning since then, but uh, you'd like to see the Potters take two out of three here, but it's going to be tough. And um, and going against Urias, Bueller, and Scherzer, of course, is always scary, no matter what offense you are, no matter what, if you're a hot offense, if you're a cold offense, like the Potters have been. But Urias, he really hasn't had a bad start in, in two months, and they've won his last six starts. He's pitching great baseball, 3.11 ERA on the season. His last start, five and two-thirds, allowed eight hits, but only one run against the Giants, eight strikeouts. His strikeout numbers have been looking really good this year. Uh, stuff's been looking good. Hasn't walked out in his last two starts. So P- Padres will have to be aggressive at the plate against him, and hopefully they can win that first game. But Walker Buehler, he just got hit hard against the Giants. Three innings, seven hits, six runs. His last start against the Padres was that 16 inning game where he went six and two thirds shutout. Or sorry, six and two thirds, zero and zero earned runs. Did have one earned run, only allowed three hits that game. And he, but he looked looked really good in that game. He's had two, two other starts this year: seven innings, two runs; six innings, two runs. So he's been pitching solid and enough starts against the Padres this year for them to know him pretty well. Scherzer. He's not allowed an earned run in his last three starts. Like you said, he's one of the one of the NL Cy Young frontrunners this year. Two point two eight ERA, 0.86 WHIP. Like you said, leading the NL in both. But he's been absolutely amazing this year, and this will be a very tough series for the Padres if they want to get their offense on track. It'll be tough. And more about the Dodgers lineup. Cody Bellinger continues to just struggle mightily. He's got a forty four OPS plus on the year. As of yesterday, he was riding an O of 20 streak. So I can't imagine that he plays more than two games in the series. 
He may start one of the games against Chris Paddock or Joe Musgrove, but I think there's zero shot he starts against Blake Snell. Obviously, that's something to watch out for. AJ Pollock, who's been a menace for them this year, is currently on the injured list, which, you know, like I said, we don't root for injuries, but can also acknowledge the fact that that helps the Padres because he's not going to be playing. He's not going to be haunting the pitching staff. So, uh, you know, speedy recovery for him, but it's good that he's not going to be able to haunt the Padres. He was really good in that last series against the Padres. But Turner, Seager, Taylor, Muncie, Will Smith. Will Smith was one of the best players in the month of August, so he's going to continue to tear that. Uh, Mookie Betts, and then, of course, Trey Turner, Albert Pujols, Austin Barnes. Barnes, who just kills the Potters, and no one has any idea why or how he does it, but it's the one team he does well against at the plate. Talented lineup, we've seen it, and they're going to get another chance to show it against the Potters. And like like we always say, I mean, this is a tough lineup to go against. Very balanced lineup. Very balanced lineup. Seven guys with double-digit home runs. Pretty much went over most of them, but Muncie, NLC, MVP candidate. Will Smith has 23 home runs this year. 891 OPS. <laughs> I mean, Cody Bellinger, he has been struggling at the plate mightily this year. I know he's been injured. Has played 81 games and has nine home runs on the year. 531 OPS for Cody Bellinger is just really bad. I know he's been coming off an injury. He has been injured a lot of the year, but that is just not good numbers. Mookie Betts, I mean, he's not struggling this year, but he's not putting up the numbers that Mookie Betts usually puts up. Hitting 267, 873 OPS with only 19 home runs, 47 RBIs. He's played 100 games. He's been healthy for most of the season. I know he has had an aisle stint or two, but he's not not putting up the gaudy numbers that he usually does. But this lineup overall is still tough. Pujols off the bench is always tough to go against late innings as a pinch hitter. Chris Taylor, Justin Turner in the starting lineup. Those are some scary guys, but it's just such a, a well-balanced lineup and one of the best lineups in the league, of course. They platoon like mad. They put their players in positions to succeed, which we've sometimes seen the Potters not be able to do. The bullpen for the Dodgers, it's good. They've got a lot of really talented pitchers out there. Blake Trinan, of course, is the go-to guy for Dave Roberts out of the bullpen. 63 innings, 73 strikeouts on a 1.86 ERA. Really wish the Potters would have jumped on him going into last year for just $10 million, but ended up in the Dodgers' hands, and he's been super good. Kenley Jansen's been the closer. He's been dominant for the most part. He's had a couple of rough outings, and you know we've seen Kenley be super dominant against the Potters, and we've seen the Potters get the best of him. So you hope that they can uh, pick up the cutter, lay off the slider, and just drive the ball to the opposite field because that's how you beat a guy with so much movement like that. Phil Bickford's been a really talented arm for them this year. Uh, big, tall, right-hander. Joe Kelly throws hard. And then Alex Vesia has been one of their best left-handed pitchers for them. 2.7 ERA, but he is of a 4.16 FIP. So you look at that guy and you see he can maybe get to him. Bruce Dark Ratterall, 3.86 ERA in 28 innings. Throws hard. I saw that he added a new cutter to his pitch mix. So it'd be interesting to see how that impacts pitchers facing him. Corey Knable, he's been pitching well for them as of late, 3.44 ERA in 18 innings. And then Justin Brule, left-handed pitcher, 13 innings, 1.38 ERA. So he's been really good for them. It's a good bullpen. And the Padres, they're not going to get any free time because the starting rotation's good and the bullpen's good. And trying to, I mean, He's one of the best setup men in the league. Like you said, 1.86 ERA, 0.9 whip, 
whip for him. Him and Jansen are great eight, nine punch in the late innings. Joe Kelly, like you said, is good. Gratterall, Padres fans hate him, but he's been a solid pitcher for the, for the majority of the year. And I know this isn't bullpen. doesn't even matter for the series, but uh, Dave Roberts did say yesterday or on Wednesday that Clint Kershaw is expected to join the starting rotation early next week. So bearing any other unforeseen injury, Padres fans should expect to see him probably later in our last series of the season. But it's going to be a tough series, Dom. Padres, I mean, we said this last time we played them, we got to win two out of three. Said that against the Astros. Was not expecting to win two out of three, and we did. So just got to keep winning and got to keep in that wild card, keeping that wild card spot for now, but this will be a tough series. And I just hope that there's not another game that goes 16 innings because with the 10 straight games on the, on the road, got to keep the bullpen arms healthy and we got to keep them rested. Yeah. The, uh, the bullpen, it's got to step up, but I, I, I don't, I don't know how they're going to be able to do it against this team because the, the offense, it's got to score. And we just discussed the pitching staff for the Dodgers and uh, it's, it's going to be tough, but it's going to be tough in the postseason that the Potters want to get there. And it starts now because they only have a one game lead over the Reds. As we all know, the Reds have a much easier schedule than the Padres. They face the pirates nine more times. They face the nationals four times. They do face, I believe the Cardinals and the Dodgers, but that's about it for the tough teams that they face. So uh, the Potters just got to win. That's all they can really focus on. And the rest will take its course. If they win, it doesn't matter. They control their own destiny. And even if they do, they'll have that game 163 against the Reds at Petco Park. And if it's against the Cardinals, all they have to do is win one game in St. Louis and then won at least four out of six against the Cardinals. But just got to win. It starts this weekend in Los Angeles. You got any other final notes? Uh, just want to see the offense get get hot. I know it's going to be tough against this Dodgers pitching staff, but we want to, if we want to win games, the offense has to be able to do something because the pitching staff's looking great and go Padres. Yeah. It's going to wrap up this episode of Dell's talking Padres. Thank you all for tuning in and listen to us talk about this kind of ugly series against the angels and preview the series against Los Angeles Dodgers. Make sure to find Bobby and I on Twitter. you can find me at DMster 19. You can find Bobby at Bobby Murphy, 2000 tweeting about the Padres and other sports. It is football season now. So we're super excited for that. NFL starts tonight or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this. And as always, make sure to continue to check out eastvillagetimes.com, Padres, Aztecs, Loyal, all San Diego professional sports and college sports. We got it covered there. So eastvillagetimes.com, find us on Twitter at EVT underscore news. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Go Padres.